0: everybody, welcome back to the Pro Series Podcast. This is episode 58, and today's guest is Connor. He is the CEO of Hook Furniture. Connor tells me a little bit about him and where he came from, how he got into architecture, how him and his business partner, Brian, who is the COO of Hook Furniture, started Hook Furniture, and what they are doing that is so different from anybody else in the furniture game. If you look at their website, they truly are changing the way And how easy furniture is to assemble it is like a transformer i kind of talk about that in the podcast but truly once you see the video you're going to know what i'm talking about so definitely go check them out and listen to this episode but before we get into this episode please make sure you like subscribe and review this podcast on wherever you listen to this podcast and now i hope you enjoy episode 58 with connor from hook furniture Thank you so much, Connor, for joining me today on the Pro Series podcast. Very excited to talk to you about your company and um, just how it all came about and your background.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for for having us on. Uh, so delighted to share our story. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And I always like to start each episode on like how I met the guest. And I want to thank Adrian Ramsey over in Australia <laughs> for, for introducing us. Um, he's given me quite a few guests and vice versa so thank you to him and um, were you a guest on his podcast as well yeah
1: yeah we had it wasn't about a month ago um, you know I guess by the time this comes out that that episode should be out but we had a great yeah great conversation really fun guy and um, yeah fun fun uh, interview with Adrian for sure
0: yeah he's a really cool guy well I want to start off. I went onto your website and I kind of said off camera like you're I was watching a build of one of your coffee tables or a desk or something, and it literally looks like a transformer, like how it's been <laughs> built. It's like, I've never seen anything like this.
1: Oh good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> We're
1: um sorry, go ahead, go ahead.
0: With for people that don't know anything about your company, can you explain just kind of a gist of what you all do and um what the name is and everything?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um so we're called Hook Home and spelled H-O-E-K, um, pronounced like Hook or Book. Um, and the name comes from the area in Brooklyn where we are. So uh it's Red Hook, but it was originally a Dutch settlement. So when the Dutch moved in, it was called Rood Hook, and Rood was is the color red, which was the color of the soil and hook because it's like a hook-shaped peninsula out into the ocean. Um, so we thought that was really cool. And then uh, our design or our system is based around these little hooks on the, uh, on the front and back of each leg. So we thought it was like a nice kind of, uh, you know, paying homage to the area where we are and a little bit to the design. And it looked, it looked a, bit, a bit more chic than H O O K, So we, we went with yeah. H-O-E-K.
0: When you're uh, yes. developing it, was that the name that you wanted from the beginning or did that take a lot of problems? No. No? No,
1: it, uh, nah, it was kind of like, you know, we we're spitballing different ideas after long after we developed the system and like, we need something, you know, kind of short and catchy. And I think we, you know, we're sitting in the back of an Uber and this one popped into our head. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're called Hook Home. We're based in, in Red Hook in Brooklyn, New York. And... We design and build modular flat pack furniture that gives people the power to transform their space in seconds, basically. So you can assemble or disassemble anything that you know, we've designed in, in seconds with no tools or hardware. And it's all made with the best available materials, locally sourced and uh, 100% post-consumer recycled plastic. So, you know, that was really important part uh, of the business for us is to approach our design with a circular design methodology. So everything that we do is made with the most sustainable t- materials that we can get our hands on. And the way that we design it and put it together means that, you know, the customer can take parts apart very easily if something breaks and we have a lifetime warranty and we'll replace it. So we're really designed with longevity in mind, um, something that you're going to have with you for, for many years to come. And you know, we're not gluing pieces together, so you can't get them apart again. You
0: know? Okay, that's, that's cool. Yeah, and I, I highly suggest people go into your website to look at this video or your social media is pretty good as well showing.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: Yeah. So let's start out like, how did you start out in the business? Not necessarily hook, but mm-hmm. when you're younger, did you always want to be a furniture maker or designer or what would you land?
1: Right. Um, so design, yes, from a very early age. Um, so I'm Irish. Originally, I was born in, in Dublin. And uh, my, we moved over here with my family uh, when I was a kid. We moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico, because my dad used to work for Intel. Um, okay. So that was like in itself uh, the, the most opposite, <laughs> like the middle of the desert from, you know, this very lush, green, rainy uh, island. So that was that was a crazy experience and uh you know while we we're living there um my mom always had like a really strong interest in architecture and she took me and my brother and my sister to go and see Frank Lloyd Wright's Taliesin West which is like uh I'm, if I'm not sure if you're familiar with it but it's one of the houses and studios that he built in Arizona and I think I was like a young kid like 12 or 13 or something like that i have just never seen anything like it. You know It was just this incredible building, like built into the landscape and it was built with all local stone and and you know amazing angles and colors and I was just so taken with it. I think my mom realized like wow he really he really likes design or architecture, and so I think it was from that point on. I really had it in my head that I was going to do some sort of design or architecture you know Mm -hmm. I think as I got older I got interested in cars and I wanted to do like automotive design and product design and things like that but um, ended up you know sticking with architecture I did uh, my bachelor's in Dublin uh, which is you know five-year architecture course and then I Oh yeah, so I went back, and then I, I came back over to the to the US and and did a masters um, in architecture, which is where I met my business partner. And uh, yeah, that's kind of uh, how we st- that's how I got into design. Anyway,
0: that's very cool. What, I'm always interested in talking to people that come from a different country. How different is architecture from the US to Ireland? Um,
1: so I think. For me, the major difference was um it's very team focused in the US. So you you learn how to collaborate really well. I think it's a little bit more individual. Well, at least in my experience, like in Dublin. Um which is great because like you had in Dublin I got that, you know, grounding, like I kind of understood who I was as a designer before I started collaborating. You know what I mean? Like I didn't jump the gun. Um so yeah, yeah. five years of like practicing it by yourself, you're going you're gonna to learn a, th- a thing or two about yourself, you know. Um, and then also I think uh, in Europe, they focus heavily on like conceptual and theoretical like grounding. So you understand like architectural history and, you know, you have a strong idea of like concepts. And then over in the US, it's very skill focused. So I learned like it really dovetailed very well for me. Because I had this like theoretical and conceptual grounding, and then I came up to the US and I kind of backed it up with all of these digital modeling skills and digital fabrication and like, everything that I'm doing today. I, those skill sets I, I got, I learned in the US. So mm-hmm. definitely like leaps and bounds ahead
0: in, in that area. Yeah, when you were younger, I, I, I forget who I was talking to, but um, another guest of mine. They didn't have the like classes to fulfill their creative needs when they were growing up Um, before college. So in high school, middle school, did you have that growing up, or did you kind of do it all on your own?
1: Um, I really didn't get into physically making things until grad school in the U.S. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, I mean, like always pretty handy with my hands like my dad was always doing stuff around the house so definitely like enjoyed DIY and like had an understanding of how to use tools and stuff um and I think you know I started off very early on and I did Montessori for like way too long <laughs> 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 I did Montessori till I was like 10 years old or something um and it's like a very you know kinesthetic thing you're you're like you you pick up objects you're working with like you know, different materials and things. So maybe like that kind of set the wheels in motion for why I was interested in those things. And then over here, um, you know, uh, I think all of the schools are so well equipped with their metal shops and their wood shops and CNC machines. And, you know, we just, we just didn't have that in Ireland, you know? So it's like you're a kid in a candy store and you come over here, you're like, you mean I can actually like run that machine? You know, (laughs) it's crazy laser cutters, you name it. So I think that, it just opened up my whole world in terms of design and what we could create, you know, anything that's possible.
0: Absolutely. So after grad school, so did you meet your business partner in grad school? You said? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So did, did this company, the seed of this company, um, was it planted in grad school? Were you guys always trying to figure out something you wanted to do?
1: Yeah. I think like, I mean, we, it's funny. Like I, uh, I moved over from Ireland um, to New York when I was, you know, mid twenties. And I found uh, three roommates on Craigslist, which I think for most people is like absolute like nightmare scenario, yeah. but there's still some of my best friends to today. And I, luckily they, I mean, this is like one in a million, but they are both, or there three of them were all architects. They were the same age as me. And I just happened to like move into that apartment. So we became like best friends. Um, and at the time, I was like, uh, I bartended for a year in New York before going to grad school. And my roommate at the time was like, oh, I have a friend who's going to grad school also, like he's going to the same school. Um, you should kind of like meet up. So then Brian and I met on the open day um, at the GSD. And like, I, I mean, we pretty much instantly became best friends. We were like, we did everything together, like all of our projects. And we we lived together up there. Yeah, so I think we always wanted to do something together whether that be an architecture firm or design or whatever it was going to be like i think we realized that our our personalities and skill sets dovetail really well where we made each other like better better designers you know
0: yeah so when did hook start um like when did you guys first start the actual process of making the company
1: well hook i mean the first thing we did um if i backtrack just before that just to give you some context um we graduated and I think we both went to work as like architectural designers in uh, New York for a couple of years, like a year and a half, two years. Okay. Um, I got to work with my professor Toshiko Mori and Brian worked for DDG, a design build company in, in Manhattan. That was really fun. Um, and I think we just started doing, um, you know, kind of small jobs on the side. Like, can you make a, a reception desk? And you know, we would just take one thing on at a time and we just loved making things with our hands. So we would do it after work. We had like a tiny little space in Ridgewood, like really, really small. So we built a reception desk and then we built another thing. And one thing led to another. Uh, and I guess we just got really lucky with commissions. But after like about two or three commissions, we had this job to build like the solid walnut um, workstation for these offices in Manhattan. And they were like 60 feet long. So it was like a six figure commission. And we basically had only built like a couple of desks and chairs, you know? Um, so like right out of the gate, we're super lucky with that. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? Like this is good money. It's just the two of us. I'm going to leave my job and we'll give this a go. And we'll see if we can take it more seriously. There was no major pressure to like make a business out of it. It was very organic. Um and we did that, and uh, and then we got another commission from that company uh, to build like these outdoor benches, like street street benches. And at that point, it was kind of like me and Brian had a talk, and we're like, "Okay, this is bigger than what we expected. I think you know you're probably going to have to leave your job now if we want to make this real thing." And he had a tougher time than me because he was really like getting into the rhythm of his job. You know, like it takes a while to understand the dynamics of an office particularly architecture office in manhattan it's very hectic so he was really getting into the flow so i think it was a tough decision for him but he decided in the end to leave and we set up our own company called a05 studio um, which is a design build firm in uh in brooklyn and we still operate out of the same space here in red hook and so we started that project or that that company first and it's still going um that's about five or six years old now at this point and really how how that kind of transformed into hook or how hook came about was we you know again we were, were very lucky with clients for a5 and during the pandemic all of our jobs stopped we had i think we had 10 on the go and nine of them stopped we had one job left with bank of america that just like we clung on to for dear life but we had you know a brilliant team here i think at the time we had like eight people and We have a huge warehouse, which, you know, I showed you off before the interview. And we're like, oh, man, what do we do? Um, So we kind of had people come in part time just to kind of keep the lights on and do a little bit of work. And we just started shifting our focus to furniture, uh, really, because we didn't have anything else to do. And we had like such a talented team and we had this amazing CNC machine and everything. And it was something that we were all interested in. And we, we, you know, obviously, a lot of people were shifting to working from home, and there was a huge demand for good quality home furniture. So we just kind of like, started playing around with these ideas. Um, I think the the first idea was, can we make something that like goes together uh, without any tools or hardware, which isn't the most difficult challenge in the world. But like, that was that was what we set out to do. Because everyone was having such a difficult time with you know the flat pack furniture all the nuts and bolts and then we just started taking a little bit further and we're like can we kind of disassemble really quickly like can we pack it together and it was just it was like a game like can we challenge ourselves to create this system that makes it easy for our friends because we we're hearing all of our friends complaining uh to like assemble and disassemble their furniture and you know maybe they can Set up their home office desk for the weekend and put it away at the weekend. You know like, that would be really handy, or they could hang it on the wall or slide it under their couch or something. So we kind of experimented like that for a while, and and then this idea of the flexible joint came about, and the chassis which stores the components, which I think you're referring to, kind of looks like a transformer. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and that, yeah, so that's kind of really where where the initial idea came about, and there was no greater idea to like start a business or or anything like that really I think it was just we're just having fun you know
0: yeah I like how you said um I mean during COVID a lot of companies took off or kind of tanked but I kind of like the way you came in on you could put your desk away during the day because a lot of people were still working from home we're having to work from home and you could just and you said hang up the desk you could hang it er
1: everything we make comes I mean this is this so funny because like uh we keep, (laughs) we have, we have this issue of like communicating all of the benefits of our product. Like someone will follow us on Instagram for a long time. They're like, wait, you can hang your stuff on the wall. And I was like, yeah, it's like, (laughs) so like we're finding it so hard to like market all these benefits, but everything, all of the furniture that we make comes with this kind of slimline wall cleat and you can hang any of the pieces on the wall. Um, And so you have this kind of like, you can hang like your side tables or your desk, like everything packs like an inch and a half thick. So you click the legs into the underside of the desk and then you can just hang it on the wall. And it actually, you know, we we're doing it from a utilitarian perspective initially. And mm-hmm. then you see this beautiful piece of walnut on your wall, and like, wow, that's actually like super nice. So, cause you have the round coffee table or so, so it becomes like this wall art piece and we've kind of leaned into that more. We're collaborating with artists now and using the surface of the, of the furniture as like a canvas um, but yeah, everything we make com- comes with a wall cleat as well.
0: That's insane! <laughs> I, mean, I didn't even see that on. Wow, that's that's incredible. I mean, I mean, right? We we probably
1: haven't communicated it on the website effectively.
0: <laughs> that's crazy though. I'm looking at it right now. That's kind of zoned out. But so, when you think of this stuff, are you? Did you think of that, or was that kind of an accidental type of thing that you asked?
1: Um. Let's see. I mean, like the. The joint, the flexible joint was the first thing. And I think we were playing around. It was originally like a plywood joint and it was more like a buckle, right? Which I'm sure people have seen online. Like if you're a DIY or a maker, like that's a common like joint. I think where we started to make something interesting ourselves is where we like got this lever action for the leg. And so it's really easy to click in. And then we we experimented with different materials. So yeah. we, we naturally went to like HDPE because... It's a flexible plastic. You can get it like 100% recycled, which is obviously amazing. Um, so like all of our legs and chassis components are made from recycled water bottles and milk jugs. And then once we had that like flexible joint, we're like, well, I guess like this is cool, but like, where do you put the legs? And then we started like looking at the chassis. And I think it was a friend of mine, Ben was like, this would be really, it's so thin. You could almost hang it on the wall. So it kind of snowballs after, you know, the initial idea. And, cool. and we we hope to continue like innovating and creating more you know new features and benefits like that's kind of really what you know we're all excited about is like creating these like innovations in the furniture
0: industry, yeah, that's so thought out i, I mean I thought just your planning process on this table was thought out Wow <laughs> incredible <laughs> thank Especially, you like people in New York like that have smaller apartments and they need a desk or they need something else. And then they have people over. I think this is a genius idea. Thank
1: you. Yeah. I mean, in reality, like there, you know, I've been asked a number of times, like who's our target market user consumer. And like, we really designed it for ourselves, you know, like we're just chatting to all of our friends during the pandemic and they're, they had the same issues and we're like, okay, let's try and make something to combat these problems, you know? Yeah. Um, And it's funny. It's not necessarily young you know, uh, working professionals in the city that are always buying these, like you, they're being purchased all over the U S and like places you wouldn't think, you know, like in the middle of like rural, wherever, like wow. it's just, it's just beneficial to have a piece of furniture. That's not hard to set up, you know, like that's exactly. a benefit
0: in itself. Or just store cause there, there is foldable furniture. It's not a new thing, but it's sure, exactly. very hard to store foldable furniture cause it doesn't really fold Into an inch? Would you say inch and a half or something like that?
1: Everything's like an inch and a half thick, yeah. Once it's all packed together, that's incredible. I think we we've tried like the different the difference from this and foldable furniture because obviously, right? Like as you said, there's trestle tables. There's like there's things that'll fold and assemble just as easily as this. But we've tried really hard to create like an aesthetically beautiful piece of furniture that does the same thing. So typically, when you get like those easy foldable you know, trestle tables, like they look like that. They look like they, you know, you don't really want to sit at a home office desk that looks like that. So exactly. we've really tried hard to make it look, um,
0: you know, beautiful as well. Exactly. So what, do you, have you wanted to expand into more than just the furniture you have on your website? Is that kind of what Hook's looking to in the next, you know, five or 10 years?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, we'd love to expand our, our, you know, our product count. Um, as I said, like we have, uh, about six product at the moment in multiple different color variations um, but you know we're working on um, we, we're working on an outdoor line for next summer we have this idea that uh, I think we could create a children's line um, called Hook Junior which I think would be would be amazing because the kids could actually assemble it themselves yeah, <laughs> so hard. I think that that's something we'd love to do and, and we're working on like other other furniture elements too we haven't created a chair yet i think just having a dining chair would be excellent and storage solutions. so we're, we're constantly working and uh, i think you know the goal is to try and have a, a, a big product release every quarter something new and special you know
0: yeah i'm excited for the outdoor one because especially for us here on the east coast we always bring our furniture in in the winter time so. right right and that obviously we have no foldable outdoor furniture because it wouldn't yeah,
1: be, I, um, we're we're super excited to to do that. We're working with um, uh, a friend and a mentor of mine, Ben Ueda. Um, he's a he's a very famous YouTuber. Um, Homemade Modern is his channel. I don't know if you know. I've but, heard um, of
0: him. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. He's great. I mean, in the in the design world or the DIY makerspace, he's uh, yeah, he's one of the OGs. But he really was. Um, just so yeah, sorry, I was digressing. I, we're we're going to work with him on the outdoor line. Um, and he was really the the first guy to say to us, like, no, you should really make a company out of this, or you should do something, that, you know, with with this idea. Because I remember I, I'd made a coffee table prototype, and I went home, and my wife, Amy, like, filmed me, like, pop, I carried it in under my arm like a surfboard and popped it together. And, you know, i just like, hey, look, <laughs> I made this cool thing at work. And uh, I texted it to Ben, and he was like, uh, like, what do you want like do you want money like what do you need you got it you got it and I was like oh man like maybe this is actually cooler than I thought you know yeah Um, so so then he kind of advised us to do the kickstarter and he was instrumental in helping us like navigate that And that was really how we kind of got our our start
0: that's interesting so how does a kick I've seen many kickstarters started like but how does that all work like It's okay.
1: So like the reason why it's really beneficial for, you know, small company or someone with an idea is it gives you, it it helps in a number of ways. One, it'll help you as like a big marketing push Mm -hmm. because you're on the platform, they're going to publicize it. And like, so in in that sense, just getting the word out there, I, you know, I can't imagine a better way to do it for, you know, not very much capital.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then the second thing is you you're getting capital from people before you're making the product. So you're getting it up front. You're able to buy your materials. There's an understanding between, you know, uh, the Kickstarter community and all the people who are making these things that it's going to be, take a while for, you know, people to figure its production out. And so you're in this kind of like safe space where you're getting money up front. There's a good understanding. No one's like breathing down your neck. And, you know, we were super late in sending out all of our product because we'd never, made this much stuff before yeah um and like you know within pretty much no one was was that upset right like bar one or two people because that's that's par for the course in kickstarter but i I can't recommend it enough for someone who's trying to set like anything new or, or you know just looking for a bit of capital or publicity it's a fantastic platform or indiegogo there's a number of them
0: yeah so, in the building you're in right now, that all the everything is manufactured. The offices, the shipment, everything's in that building.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do design. Um, we we get all of. I mean, the the recycled plastic sheets we get from um, manufacturers in Texas. So they shred the bottles down, and we get sheets here. Um, but pretty much, raw materials come in. Everything's designed and you know made on our CNC machine and hand sanded and finished and we have a a spray booth here where we spray all our water-based finishes and uh we even we even make our own boxes (laughs) really yeah 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 we have the the cnc machine fit out with like a you know a box cutting blade and it'll cut the boxes and so all the boxes are custom and everything (laughs) wow that's good good and bad you know i i uh i want to outsource some of the process soon because we're uh you know we're, we're growing and it's getting more and more difficult to to kind of keep up with the demand, but I definitely like great, great way to start.
0: Yeah. As you get bigger, um, are you ready to buy your neighbors or um, find a new spot for the manufacturing or.
1: You know what? It's like, it's big. We have 10,000 square feet here. We just oh, have
0: to be okay.
1: more, um, you know, as I said, we have the other business here that does like custom builds, So they kind of, we're able to you know split rent and you know share you know uh labor between people as we need so in that sense it was great like hook was was totally bootstrapped um until like you know six months ago everything that we did was either from kickstarter or um from you know revenue from a5 studio and uh you know now it's generating its own sales and it's it's growing really nicely but um we just have to, you know, manage the space effectively between the two companies. I don't think this is such a once-in-a-lifetime space. I don't think we're going anywhere unless, unless we have to, you know?
0: Yeah, it's incredible. You're, the viewers that don't know, before, he was showing me, like, the view, and it was just all water view, and it's insane. I would never want to leave that.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're out on – we're in this 150-year-old building. It's an old coffee warehouse. It juts out onto the water just south of Manhattan, We look out, you know, one side and we have the Statue of Liberty right across the bay. And then on the other side, we have uh, we have Amazon and we have Ikea just like looming over us. And so I'm always joking, like we have the enemies out there and then we have freedom on the other side. (laughs) 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 We're like somewhere in the middle, you know. Yeah. Um, But it is an incredible space and we're, we're so lucky to have it. And I think Red Hook and Brooklyn, this area, this community is full of such creative people it's, it's a lot of makers and um in, and from all walks of life like artists and woodworkers and metal workers and so we have you know we're surrounded by that community which is which is brilliant
0: yeah that's incredible well connor thank you so much for hopping on today and making time to come on the podcast i want to finish off and just give us where people could follow hook or you on social media yeah. or your website
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we're on all the social platforms. Um, H-O-E-K-H-O-M-E. So hook home. Um, you'll find us on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. Um, we have a great social media team. We're, you know, we're, we're pretty, I think one way we differ from other furniture brands is we're definitely showing all of the behind the scenes and the day-to-day life of what's going on in the shop and um, yeah, a bunch of great content out there if you want to see, um, you know, what we're doing on a day to day basis.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you, Connor, for so much for joining me today.
1: Yeah, thank you, Eric. It was a pleasure. Pleasure.